Amen. Thank you for helping us pray. And uh, we're going to go to the Lord in, in his word tonight. And I want to continue on the trajectory that we've been uh, ministering on Wednesday nights. And I want to thank Brother Jordan for his great ministry a week ago. Can we give God praise for that wonderful word? Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And I want, to, I want to speak tonight on the subject, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The infilling of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we spoke a couple of weeks ago on Acts 2.38 and uh, came down to the conclusion of that study and uh, got to talking about the Holy Ghost and you just, just didn't have enough time. You know, I was willing to go another couple hours, but I didn't, I didn't know if everybody would agree to that, so... I uh, thought we'd just wait until another time. And so here we are, and we're going to talk a little bit about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The next time I teach, I'll be teaching on, Lord willing, the subject, the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And so we'll, we're going to uh, minister along those lines tonight, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Now, you can say Holy Ghost or you can say Holy Spirit. Uh, they're interchangeable. Uh, one is not different from the other. The Bible uses both. One is not a modern word and the other an ancient word. They're both used in the scriptures interchangeably. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the word is pneuma. Uh, the word pneuma, of course, where we get our word pneumonia or pneumatic. It has to do with breath. And so when you're talking about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, you're talking about the breath of God. You're talking about the life of that comes from the breath of God. It is the holy oxygen that comes from the Lord. And so we want to talk about the Holy Ghost. Now, again, you can say Holy Ghost or you can say Holy Spirit. Now, the, the word Holy Spirit has, I, I don't know, to me, it has a little bit more of a gentleness about it. Holy Spirit. Uh, holy Ghost has a little more of a punch. Holy Ghost. So I sometimes go with Holy Ghost. I like that punch. And... Uh, and, and, and ghost, of course, in a modern context, uh, has a little bit of a, a, a spooky sound to it. Not everybody can relate to you when you're saying Holy Ghost. What is the Holy Ghost? The, the, because it has to do, in, in the modern thinking, it has to do with the spirit of someone departed. Well, the Holy Ghost is the spirit of Jesus Christ. It is the spirit of Jesus Christ. It is the comforter that the Father sends in the name of Jesus Christ. And so God sends forth His Spirit into the earth uh, that is Jesus Christ resurrected. And that Spirit is the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And the Apostle Paul said to us in Romans chapter 8 that if that Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, that spirit shall quicken your mortal body. So you may wonder, we preach and believe and the scriptures declare the resurrection of the body of those who are dead in Christ. Amen. The resurrection of those that are dead in Christ. How does that happen? It happens through the power of the Holy Ghost. It happens through the infilling and the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Listen, there is only one Holy Spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24 said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the, the Heavenly Father is a spirit. Now, he's also holy. So what does that make his spirit? Makes his spirit the Holy Spirit. He is holy. He is a spirit. So he is the Holy Spirit. The beautiful thing about God manifesting himself in flesh, coming down into this earth and taking up residence in a human body made of a woman, made under the law, and being born into this world, subject to the law of sin and death, overcoming the law of sin and death, within the framework and the parameters of the law of sin and death. He did not break the rules. He broke the back of sin and death fair and square. He lived a perfect life that sin demanded and none of us could achieve. He achieved it and he broke the back of sin and death. Hallelujah. 
And so the beautiful thing about that vessel, that man, Christ Jesus, that, that uh, flesh that God dwelled in and, and suffered, bled, and died, the body died in and, and rose from the dead and ascended on high and poured out his spirit upon all flesh. The beautiful thing about it is it gave us a way to have the spirit of our heavenly father to live on the inside of us. And this is what God had told humanity was possible and that would happen. He, he said, I will do this. He said, I will put my spirit in you. That's what the Lord said. That was his promise. So you will see Jesus after he resurrected from the dead. And while he was giving them instructions concerning where to go after seeing him resurrected and after seeing him ascend, he tells them to go and tarry for the promise of the Father. What promise of the Father? The promise that his spirit would be in them. Hallelujah. And so I want to talk to you about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And uh, we'll look at Luke chapter 24 to begin tonight. Luke chapter 24, we're going to begin reading at the 44th verse. This is uh, the word of the Lord, Luke 24, verse 44. He, Jesus, said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So Jesus said, look, I came to this earth to fulfill every word Moses wrote about me, Every word David wrote about me, every word that all of those prophets of the Old Testament wrote, I fulfilled everything that they said. And if you'll read through the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the writers of those gospel accounts actually make reference as they tell you the account to when certain prophecies were fulfilled. For instance, the prophecy that a bone of him would not be broken, it was fulfilled when they came to his body. And they were going to break his legs, but he had already given up the ghost, so they did not. Thus was fulfilled the prophecy that a bone of his shall not be broken. When the babies were, uh, were, were killed at the birth of Jesus, uh, when Jesus was uh, a baby being born, there was a decree that went out that all of the uh, male children would be killed. And in an effort to, to rid the, get rid of the Messiah... And the, the, the gospel writer said, thus was fulfilled the prophecy of the prophet Jeremiah that Rachel was weeping in Ramah, weeping for her children. That when these children were killed, this was a fulfillment of prophecy. On and on throughout the gospel accounts. And Jesus said at the conclusion of Luke 24 verse 44, look, I came to fulfill everything Moses said, everything David said. Everything that any of the prophets said concerning me. Verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That is a wonderful thing. That he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That's where we all want to be. If you can ask God anything... Ask God to open your understanding that you can understand the scriptures. Don't let it be just uh, an ancient book. Don't let it be just a, a book that is worthwhile. Make sure you understand it is a powerful, divinely inspired word from the Lord. And what a gift, what a blessing that he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Notice what he said. He said, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry until you be endued with power from on high. Many times uh, people wonder, well, if it's a promise, then why doesn't, why don't you just, why don't you just automatically have it? 
Well, that's not quite how the promises of God work. The promises of God are yea and amen. That's what the word of the Lord says. They're not just yea. They are yea and amen. Yea is the promise from God. Amen is your receiving of the promise from God. So the promise of God requires faith to receive it, and faith requires action. Faith without works is dead. So it requires an act of receiving the promise of the Father. We see again in Acts chapter 1. This is still Luke writing. We just were reading Luke 24. We've shifted over now to Acts chapter 1, and we're still reading the writings of Luke. The former treatise in verse 1 of Acts chapter 1, Have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. That's important. That right there is important. To these apostles, he showed himself alive after his passion. That means after he was crucified, they saw him brutally murdered, martyred, mutilated, and he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. That means they were unquestionable. It proves that nobody could question because they were infallible. And he was seen of them 40 days and he spoke of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So he said, don't leave Jerusalem. Go to Jerusalem, tarry, and wait for the promise of the Father to come upon you. It's not automatic. You have to tarry until you are endued, filled with the power of God from on high. He said, this is not foreign to you. This is not an unfamiliar concept. John declared that he baptized with water unto repentance, but that there comes one after him that is mightier than him who shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And John said, don't just follow me. I am not worthy to unloose his shoes. He is greater than me. He must increase and I must decrease. You must follow after him. And many problems that face Christianity today is there are a lot of people who follow John the Baptist and truly, genuinely, sincerely make an effort to repent and follow, uh, walk away from their sins. But they do not fulfill the promise of John the Baptist, which was, there comes one after me that is mightier than I am, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Don't, be, don't feel that you are complete just because you have walked away from a certain lifestyle. Understand that God wants to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The Spirit of our Heavenly Father wants to live on the inside of you. That Spirit living on the inside of you is how your corruptible body will be changed into an incorruptible body. That spirit that dwells on the inside of you will change your mortal man that can die into an immortal man that shall never die. Some people say, are you telling me I got to have the Holy Ghost? We're telling you, you get to have the Holy Ghost. It is a promise from God that you believe and you act upon. And God wants to give that Holy Ghost to you so he can quicken your mortal body. Hallelujah. It is that spirit that raised Christ from the dead that shall quicken your mortal body. It is necessary for the resurrection that you be filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So, so he goes on to say, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, verse 6, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? 
And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Notice that they immediately got off track. Notice that they immediately started going down rabbit trails. All right, give to us these great mysteries. Show us all of these mysteries that we don't understand and that we want to know. We've been having debates about this and about that. And he said, it's not for you to know. I wonder how many times we get caught up in conversations that are not for us to know. And the Lord quickly pivoted their understanding back to what was for them. And in verse 8, he said, but you shall receive power. Now, you may not have to know all the ins and the outs of the mysteries of, and times and seasons about the Lord restoring again the kingdom to Israel. But this is what you do need to know. You shall receive power after that. Not before that. But after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Verse 4, I'll take you back there real quick at the end of verse 4. Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father. Let's look at the promise of the Father. Ezekiel chapter 36 we're going to read verses 26 27 and 28 ezekiel chapter 36 verses 26 27 and 28 this is what the word of the lord says a new heart also will i give you and a new spirit will i put within you and i will take away the stony heart out of your flesh that stony heart is the hardened heart the heart made hard from brokenness that has calloused over. People in our world today have broken hearts. And those broken hearts have healed incorrectly and have calloused over. Many of us have dealt with not just a broken heart, but a hardened heart. How many have ever dealt with a broken heart that transitioned into a hardened heart? A heart that doesn't care anymore. A heart that doesn't want to care anymore. A heart that doesn't trust anymore. Well, that's a hardened heart. He said, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit. I will take away the stony heart. That heart that's broken and splintered and healed over in all the wrong ways, calloused, so much scar tissue on your heart, I'm going to take that out of your flesh and I will give you an heart of flesh. What he means is, I'm going to give you the real heart you were always supposed to have. One that's unbroken, one that's unsplintered, one that's unfractured, one that doesn't have scar tissue. I will give you an heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you. My God, have mercy. Isn't God good? I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Now you, if you're human like me, you probably had a hard time sometimes trying to keep the statutes of God. Sometimes you've had a hard time keeping the judgments of God, keeping the commandments of God. But he said, I'm going to put my spirit in you. And when my spirit is inside of you, I will cause you. Hallelujah. That's why when you stay prayed up, it's easy to live for God. That's why when you stay prayed up, it's easy to obey the Lord. That's why when you keep your flesh under subjection and you stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost that is inside of you, you keep his statutes, you keep his judgments, and you do them. He said, you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Hallelujah. This is the promise of the Father. He will put his spirit inside of you. He goes on giving an illustration and a vision in Ezekiel chapter 37. And I'm going to read it to you. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. Set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. This is the prophet Ezekiel. He said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. 
Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. This is the promise of the Father, that he will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. It is not God's will that you remain dead in trespasses and sins. It is not God's will that you remain dead in your walk and in your life and in your attempt to live for the Lord. He said, I'm going to put my breath inside of you, and that breath inside of you will cause you to live. Hallelujah. I will lay sinews upon you and bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin. What is he saying? He is describing the immortal body coming upon the mortal body. The breath comes inside of you. I will lay sinews and flesh and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise. And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. Now, I'm going to tell you something about a move of the Spirit of God. There is always a noise and a shaking. And if you're not used to it, it can sometimes kind of uh, scare you if you're not used to a moving of the Spirit of God. But it doesn't scare you after a while. It becomes the thing you want and long for. You want to hear that joyful noise. You want to hear the noise of the worship of the believers. You want to hear the sound, hallelujah, of praise. You want to hear the sound of deliverance, the sound of victory. Hallelujah. He said there was a noise. He said there was a, a shaking. And the bones came together bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. The skin covered them above. But there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, say to the wind. Thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. That's what we have to do in 2020 for all those who are slain in our world. Come breath of God and breathe upon these that are slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them. What came into them? The breath, the pneuma. Hallelujah. The ghost, the spirit, the Holy Ghost, the breath came into them and they lived and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. Holy Ghost filled people, that's what you are. You're an exceeding great army. Don't let the mockery of this world make you feel like you're anything other than an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. The whole house of Israel. Not just the biological lineage, but the whole house of Israel. That means the stars in the heavens, that's us. Those who are there celestially and the sand of the sea. Those that are there biologically. Hallelujah. The whole house of Israel. This is those that are a part of the natural vine and those that are grafted into the vine. Ladies and gentlemen. The whole house of Israel. That's why the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's the whole house of Israel. Hallelujah. Israel, ladies and gentlemen, is the firstborn son. Israel is the prince that has power with God and man. You and I are a part of the Israel of God. Through the very means that I'm describing. The infilling of the Holy Ghost. Thank you Jesus. He said unto me son of man. These bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold they say our bones are dried. And our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them. Thus saith the Lord God. Behold O my people. My Lord have mercy. Now he's going to describe the resurrection. I will open your graves. And cause you to come up out of your graves. And bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people. And brought you up out of your graves. And shall put my spirit in you. And ye shall live. Hallelujah. And I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I the Lord have spoken it. And performed it. Saith 
the Lord. This is the promise of the Father. I'm going to put my spirit in you. Hallelujah. And you shall live. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And you shall come up out of the grave. I'm going to put my spirit in you. Hallelujah. And you will no longer be dead. I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. It is the promise of the Father. Now, again, many people might question and say, well, if it's the promise of the Father, isn't it just so? Isn't it just just done already. The promise of the Father is this, that the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon all flesh. And we'll, we can read that as well. In fact, I will. I'm glad you said something. Jog my memory. I'm going to go ahead and read that to you. Amen. Joel chapter 2 and uh, verse number 28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days will I pour out my Spirit. This is the promise of the Father. But the promise of God is yea and amen. There was a land called the land of promise. It was a promise from God to Israel that he would take them into the land that was promised to their fathers, that he swear unto their fathers. And he said, I'm going to give it to you like I gave it to them. And the scripture says that they came to the place of promise and they fell short of the promise because they did not believe and they would not act upon it. It is possible for a promise of God to go unrealized in an individual's life simply because they don't believe it and they will not act upon it. That is the great tragedy of losing out on the promises of God. And had those apostles not gone to Jerusalem and waited for the promise, they would have missed out too. It is important that you listen to what the word of the Lord says. Tarry for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father and let yourself be endued with power from on high. You say, but I could never see myself receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. You would be surprised what will happen when you open yourself up to the promise of the Father. I could never see myself speaking in tongues. None of us can see ourselves speaking in tongues until that Holy Ghost gets upon us and starts moving down deep on the inside of us. And that tongue begins to praise Him in a language that you never learned. And if you don't know that that's a reality and if you doubt that that's a reality, why don't you take this Bible, open it up to all of the areas where the promise of the Father was poured out and people spoke with tongues. And we'll go through it. But ask the Lord. Say, Lord... I need you. I need you in your fullness. I need every part of you. I want you to fill me to overflowing with the Holy Ghost and wait for the promise. Tarry for the promise. Wait for the promise. What are people doing when they come down to the front and they lift up their hands and they pray and they say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, I believe in your promise and I know it's for me. They're tarrying for the Holy Ghost. Yes, it's a gift. Yes, it's a promise, but just like the children of Israel had to go into the land of promise in order to realize and possess the land of promise, the same is true of when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We must wait for God to fill us with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and we wait with expectancy, we wait with anticipation, and we tarry with faith believing that it shall be so because the Lord said it shall be so. Hallelujah. We also see a, a, a reflection of the infilling of the Holy Ghost at the very beginning of creation. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7. Uh, the word of the Lord describes the creation of Adam. Now you know we are in our fallen state. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. But in our, in our state of being filled with his spirit, he is restoring to us the thing that he gave us at the beginning. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That's that pneuma. That's that ghost. That's that spirit. And man became a living soul. Don't you know that when God fills you with the Holy Ghost, that's exactly what happens to you? He fills you with the pneuma. He fills you with the Spirit. And you become alive again. 
You were once dead. You were once broken. You were once dead in trespasses and sins. But when he fills you with the Holy Ghost, you come to life again. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 4. I want to talk to you about the promises of God a little bit. Because sometimes people come to this promise and they, and they are scared. They're intimidated. They're like the children of Israel. It's too big. It's too much. I'm like a grasshopper. They're like giants. I can't imagine that I could ever experience this promise from God. And they, they did not go in. And 40 years went by and a whole generation passed away before they entered into the land of promise. It was a promise from God. And they simply were not able to receive it. Romans chapter uh, 4. And I want to, uh, I want to begin uh, reading to you from verse number uh, 12. Of uh, Romans chapter 4. The father of circumcision to them. Who are not of the circumcision only. But who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. Which he had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise. That he should be the heir of the world. That he should be the heir of the world. It, it was his. God gave him the whole world. The promise. That he should be the heir of the world. That's restoring Adam's dominion to Abraham was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. The law could not provide that to them, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be of grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, verse number 19 says, Abraham, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. God told him that he was going to have a child and that it was going to be through Sarah that she would receive strength and conceive seed and bring forth a son. Abraham believed that. He was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. And Abraham believed that. He considered not that their bodies were not capable of reproducing any longer. It was not possible. He didn't even consider the impossibility. God said it would happen. It's going to happen. That's the way he believed about the promises of God. That's how you have to believe about the promises of God. God said it's going to happen. So all of the impossibilities have no bearing on whether it's going to happen. It shall happen because the Lord said it will happen. He considered not that his own body was dead. And he considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb. Notice verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strong in faith giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Hallelujah. I'm fully persuaded that what he has promised, he is able also to perform. I am fully persuaded that what he has promised, he is able also to perform. The scripture said Abraham staggered not at the promise through unbelief. And I want to encourage you tonight to stagger not at the promise through unbelief. Too many times we come up to the promises of God and we, and we start staggering. You know, that feeling of getting a little off balance. You have to hold on to something. Staggering and stumbling and getting, getting kind of thrown off your game a little bit. No, no, no. No, he staggered not at the promise through unbelief. I don't care if you got to hold on to something, get a hold of it. If you feel like the winds are blowing too hard, get a hold of something. Steady yourself because we're walking into the promise of God. 
There are many people who, when it comes time to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, they stagger at the promise of the Father. And they think, well, maybe I won't speak in tongues. I can't imagine myself speaking in tongues. We're going to get to tongues in just a moment. Don't worry about tongues. Just embrace the fact that God said, I will put my spirit in you. And you say, Lord, I want your spirit in me. And you wait for the promise of the Father until you be endued with power from on high. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Stagger not. Stagger not at the promise. Don't let anything keep you from the promise of God. Well, I could never see myself getting emotional. You know I've seen people receive the Holy Ghost every which way. And I've seen some of the most loud, outspoken, just big, big, big personalities get the Holy Ghost very quietly, speaking in tongues. And I've seen people who were so bashful, so shy, who tore the place up when they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. You never know how somebody's going to receive the Holy Ghost. But here's the thing, and I'm, I want to take you to the scriptures to, to, to help you see this. There is a physical manifestation when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, now, people can say, no, no, it's just by, it's just by faith, it's just by belief, it's just a, a mental state of, of, of awareness, and it's just a spiritual a transaction, it's not a physical manifestation. That's not what the scriptures bear out. The scriptures describe physical manifestations of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and they are so, they have certain commonality that make us aware of what we can expect when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and again, there might be some different manifestation of it in the way a person acts or reacts, but there are certain commonalities, and it particularly revolves around and relates to the tongue. And there are reasons why that is. I got to, into this a little bit a couple of weeks ago, but I want to go deeper into it. First, I want to turn your attention to Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Ghost was first poured out after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the birthday of the church. Acts chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. The scripture says this, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly... There came a sound from heaven. I, God, have mercy. I've been in those services where you could hear a sound from heaven. I've been in those moments where there was something erupting. There was the Shekinah glory of God. It was so thick that you didn't even want to take a step. You were scared to open your eyes. But it was glorious and it was wonderful and it was thrilling. And, and the Bible says that there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues. That means diverse kinds of tongues. And they were like fire and sat upon each of them and they were all filled this is the infilling of the Holy Ghost they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance this is what you don't have to worry about the Spirit will give you the utterance you don't have to worry about can I speak in tongues? The Spirit will give you the utterance. You don't have to worry about, well, I've never done that before. That's, that's fine that you haven't done that before. But you will if you tarry for the promise of the Father. The Spirit will give you the utterance. That is how it occurs. The Spirit actually fills you. And the first thing it, do, the first thing it does is it gets a hold of your tongue. And your tongue begins to praise God in a language that you have not premeditated. You did not learn it. Nobody sat you down and said, go through these syllables. Repeat after me. That didn't happen. That's not the Spirit giving the utterance. And there are some places that have tried that. That's not how it works. It is a divine infilling of the Holy Ghost. And you speak with other tongues as the Spirit Gives the utterance. Let's continue on. Acts chapter two, uh, 10. And we're going to read uh, just the verses uh, 44 through 48. Acts chapter 10 and uh, verses 44 through 48. While Peter yet spake these words. Now let me give you the background real quick. Real quick. He's at Cornelius' house. Cornelius is a military man. A distinguished military man. 
He's a captain. He, he's over a lot of soldiers. And he is, he's been praying. His prayers have gone up to God as a memorial before the Lord. And God saw the sincerity of his heart, gave him instruction as to whom he should reach out to, and it was Peter. Peter, God had to deal with him because Peter had a prejudice inside of him that no one but Jewish people could receive the Holy Ghost, and God had to, had to kind of smack that out of him and say, you've got to go preach this gospel to the Italian people because this isn't just for one nationality. It's for whosoever will. So Peter... Goes to the house of Cornelius. He knows he's going to get in trouble by some of his brothers in Christ. He knows that not everybody understands this yet, what God has just revealed to him, that all people, anywhere, at any time, God can fill them with the Holy Ghost. And here he is in this house of Cornelius, and he's preaching Jesus, just like he did in Acts chapter 2. And watch what happens. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. It was different here than it was in Acts 2. It was different in this way. Acts chapter 2, they had to hear what do we need to do? What shall we do? Then Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he led them through and they went step by step and God added to the church 3,000 souls such as should be saved. But in Acts 10 it was different. They didn't wait for step one, step two, step three. They didn't wait for him to outline everything they needed to do. Their hearts were hungry. They were ready. And while Peter was preaching, God said, now. And the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And I want you to notice that language. The Holy Ghost fell. It wasn't, it wasn't, like, it wasn't like a little dribble of water coming out of a faucet. It was just, here, dump the whole bucket on them. It fell on them. I love the Holy Ghost falling on us. The Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, the Jews, which believed were astonished. It was, they were shocked. They, they, it didn't happen the way it happened in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2 it was different. We just described that. But now here in Acts chapter 10, the Holy Ghost just falls on them. As many as came with Peter, they were astonished because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, here's important. Here's an important thing to read. Verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid these forbid that these should be not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? When he saw them speak with tongues, he knew they had received the Holy Ghost. It was the sign. It was the sign in Acts chapter 2, and it was the sign in Acts chapter 10 that they spoke with tongues when they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 19, verse number 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, Under what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this... They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Again, the first reaction was a physical manifestation that they spoke with tongues when the Holy Ghost filled them. And in the case of Acts chapter 19, they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Now, Acts chapter 8, I want to read to you from Acts chapter 8, because this is a, another place where there was a mass outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And it's the only place where the scriptures do not specifically say that they spoke with tongues. But there is evidence of a physical manifestation. I want to read, read this to you. Acts chapter 8 
and verse 14. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So notice, they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. There was a promise of the Father waiting for them. If you repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But, the, but he had not fallen on them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. So, so here we see there was something visual, something physical, something tangible that caused Simon to understand, hey, they just got the Holy Ghost and he offered them money and he was off base. Peter had to rebuke him. He had to repent, you know, the whole nine yards. But... Something physical occurred when the Holy Ghost was filling an individual's life. And it is no different today than it was then. We're going to step into this day of sophistication, technological advancement, robots and, and artificial intelligence and whatever else you can imagine. But the Holy Ghost has not changed. And there is still a physical manifestation when somebody receives the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we know from the scriptures that that physical manifestation is the tongue begins to magnify God in a language that is beyond the person's comprehension. It is another tongue. So quickly, I want to go to why. Why? Do people speak with tongues when they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? James chapter 3, the Bible deals with this matter of the tongue. James chapter 3 and verse 3. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths. It's this massive horse, but we put bits in their mouths that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body... A little bit in the horse's mouth turns the whole massive body of this horse. It, the bit in the mouth brings about the obedience of the entire body of that horse. Verse 4. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great. The ships. He's talking about massive ships, boats. Though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet... They are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. The governor turns the whole massive body of this ship with a very small helm. Verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member. Just as the horse's body is turned with the bit and the ship as a vessel is turned by a small helm, so is the body of a human being turned by their tongue. The tongue controls the whole body. That's why if you are constantly complaining, it's going to show up in the way you feel. And if you're constantly praising, it's going to show up in the way you feel. Your tongue controls your body. And even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire. Now, it's talking about the unregenerated tongue. The tongue is a fire. Listen to this. The tongue is a world of iniquity. The tongue is among our members that it defileth the whole body, setteth on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire of hell. Every kind of beast and bird and serpent and the things in the sea is tamed. The most vicious, horrible terrifying, predatory beast in this earth is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. No man is capable of taming the tongue. It is an unruly evil. It is full of deadly poison. And you wonder why God redeems the tongue. Before he redeems anything else. He redeems everything else by redeeming the tongue. 
when he gets a hold of your tongue and, and you begin to magnify God in, with your tongue as the Spirit gives the utterance, it subjects your whole body. Your body is full of many members. And up to this point, those members have all been yielded as, yielded as instruments of unrighteousness. But when God baptizes you with the Holy Ghost, He's not just looking for one part of you. He is filling you with the Holy Ghost. That means it's getting down into your hands and your fingertips. It's getting down into your feet and your toes. It's getting into your head. It's getting all inside of you. And the only way that the Holy Ghost can have control of your body is if the Holy Ghost has control of your tongue. Hallelujah. When God truly has a hold of your tongue, then you will treat people with kindness. When God has control of your tongue, then you will treat people with respect. When God has control of your tongue, he will, you will not go certain places and you will not do certain things. He will cause you to walk in his statutes. He will cause you to keep his judgments and do them. He will cause you to obey him. You speak with other tongues. See, the Bible talks about speaking in other tongues. That is what happens when you receive the Holy Ghost. You immediately begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Speaking with new tongues is different than speaking in other tongues. Speaking in other tongues is when you're speaking in other tongues that you don't know. Speaking with new tongues is when God changes your language. He changes the way you talk to people. He changes the way you talk about people. He changes you. Before you got the Holy Ghost, you were down in the mouth. Before you got the Holy Ghost, you were a gossip. Before you got the Holy Ghost, you were a backstabber, backbiter, backslider. Before you got the Holy Ghost, you cussed and cursed and swore. Before you got the Holy Ghost, you condemned everything that moved around you. But when God put his spirit inside, Side of you, your tongue is speaking a new language. Now you speak with the law of peace. Now you speak with the law of liberty. Now you speak with the law of mercy. Now kindness comes out of you. Blessings come out of you. Praise for God comes out of you. And it affects your body. And it affects your mind. And it affects your soul. And it affects your spirit. Hallelujah. And let me just tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If you've ever had the misfortune of meeting somebody who can speak in tongues and still be vile, God help you. God heal you. Because there are people who have learned how to talk in tongues. And it's not the Spirit of God giving them utterance, but they've learned how to mimic and duplicate and imitate. And it can sound and it can even feel like the real thing. Don't ever become that person. Be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Let God get a hold of you. Let God fill you up to overflowing. Hallelujah. So that when you walk out of this house, you're not just speaking in other tongues, but you're blessing in English. You're blessing in your native tongue. Hallelujah. You're giving kindness, and you're giving love, and you're giving gentleness, and you're giving goodness. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, we're a Holy Ghost-filled people. We've been filled with the Spirit of the living God. It's not a fairy tale. It's not old-fashioned. It's not something that doesn't relate to today. It's real. It's real. This Pentecostal blessing, I know that it's real. Hallelujah. And that's how we're going to heal the nations is through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's how we're going to fulfill God's vision is through the outpouring and infilling and indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Can you give God praise right now in the name of Jesus? Hallelujah. 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 Glory. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen, hear me. If you could stand with me, I'm, I'm done. Except that I am going to say one more thing. I'm kind of done-ish. The Bible says that holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 
there is the possibility that people today can be moved by the Holy Ghost without being filled with the Holy Ghost. There's a possibility that people can be, can be genuinely moved upon by the Spirit of God, but not actually have His Spirit living on the inside of them. Don't, don't mistake somebody who is genuinely moved by the Spirit of God that they feel. Don't mistake that they still are in need of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And even you, if you have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, don't discount it. There's no shame in it. Sometimes people can be in a church for a long period of time and, and start thinking, man, I've been here so long that I, and, 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 and you know, I, I, guess, I guess I just need to, to go on like I've got the Holy Ghost. No, no, no. Just let God fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. My goodness, how many remember when God first filled you with the gift of the Holy Ghost? Oh, the joy that floods your soul. Ah. Oh, the joy. Don't miss out on it. Don't miss out on it. Don't miss out on it. Let God fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's how he's going to resurrect your mortal body. That's he's going to turn your corruptible into an incorruptible man. Hallelujah. That's how he's going to change you from somebody who can die to somebody who cannot die. Hallelujah. It's the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. And if he dwell in you, he shall quicken your mortal body in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen, that's the gospel I preach. It's the only gospel I can preach. I don't have authority to change it. I don't have authority to tinker with it. All I can do is read what the word of the Lord says and preach it without fear and without favor. And I'm going to tell you that if you'll believe it and not stagger at it through unbelief, God will reward you with such great and glory blessings. If you believe that, why don't you just give God praise right now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> yes, Jesus. You know what I'd like us to do right now? I'd like us all over this building to ask God to pour out His Holy Ghost upon our city like never before in the name of Jesus. This is the right time for God to send down a powerful outpouring of His Spirit in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you'll pour out the Holy Ghost upon all flesh. Pour out the Holy Ghost upon all flesh. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll fill every denomination with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Lord, let us walk in the miraculous. Let us walk in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let an anointing come upon us in this last day. Let an anointing come upon us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm really serious about this. I think all across this building right now, we need to ask God to pour out the Holy Ghost afresh and anew. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Come on, accept a man be born of the water and of the Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. This is serious business. This is God's business. We must be about our Father's business. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, you're welcome to come and pray. Hallelujah. It's your breath in our lives. So we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lives. So we pour out our praise to you. Come on, that's it. Let God have his way. Let God have his way. Come on, if you want to seek for the Holy Ghost, tonight would be a good night in Jesus' name. Come on, God can fill you with the Holy Ghost in the middle of 2020. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost on a midweek. Hallelujah, the last day of September. God can baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. It's your breath.
your breath in our love. So we pour out our praise. Yes, it is. 